Hi, and welcome to the Better Athlete Podcast. I'm James McDowell. And I'm Fargal Wynn. Are you an athlete looking to take your sport and performance to the next level? Well, this podcast could be the key ingredient. Hosted by James and myself, we delve into the subjects that affect whether or not you reach your performance potential. Between ourselves, we'll be guiding you through strength, mobility, nutrition, mental training, and more with experts in the field. Athletes and coaches from every corner of the sporting spectrum will also be giving insight, knowledge, and understanding of what it takes. So like, share, and review. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Better Athlete Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. James McDowell. James, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excited for this one. Me too. We're, we're joined this week and, and delighted to be joined by Mr. David Gray of David Gray Rehab. David, how are you? I'm good, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to the chat. It's great to have you on. Um, we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll get stuck in and we'll hit our quick fire round first and, yeah. and see, see how you fare. So. This could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so first up, Ronaldo or Messi? Oh, I threw and fro on this one a lot, actually. Uh, I think in terms of legacy, probably it's going to be messy, like, in, ter- yeah. in terms of, like, just thinking back in 20 years' time, like, it's Messi's probably the one that you'll remember. But in terms of admiration of an athlete from, like, our side of things, the job that we do, like, Ronaldo is probably unrivaled in terms of, like, he doesn't rely on his... Messi relies on moments of brilliance, obviously, and his technique and stuff. And obviously, Ronaldo's as good as it gets on that as well. But to stay in that shape for that long and rely on like physical attributes like pace and power, not so much, I suppose, anymore, but like jumping ability, keeping yourself in, in good nick, like it's he's 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 uh he's he's some someone to be admired so i'm kind of sitting on the fence there um <laughs> is the, is the, is it a better player who's a better player uh we've never actually been questioned yeah, this yeah. <laughs> that's the first time the question has been turned back on us so we're in a bit of trouble here now well, actually um, i was only thinking often before a guest comes on like i'd be like in the shower before and i'd be like uh I, I'm kind of going back on this question myself, you know. I don't <laughs> no, think it's the right hard. answer. Very hard. I th- yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Messi in terms of like, just, just like, like I could. No, this is a silly way of looking at it. Like, I could see someone that can do some things that Ronaldo could do, uh, but like, I don't know. I think if I could play five aside against Ronaldo and Messi, like. I might be able to kind of rough Ronaldo up a little bit or something, you know, or like give him a shot or something. Like, I just feel like you wouldn't get anywhere near Messi if he wanted you. To, yeah. To, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say, based on that. I, 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 I always harp back. I think the best answer to that question was, I think it was Jason McLaughlin, wasn't it? When he said, if you're going to pay in to see one of them, yeah. you'll probably pay in to see Messi. Messi, yeah. 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 I haven't seen Messi live or Ronaldo, but I would, I'd prefer to see Messi, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, definitely though for physical Nick, Ronaldo, like yeah. 100. But, yeah. um, okay. Adidas or Nike? <clears throat> um, clothes, Nike, and boots, Adidas. Mm, yeah. I think it's everybody common, is. Yeah. I think everybody's on that. I think I said there, I don't know, it was on the last one or the one before, I was like, if you had a pair of Preds growing up, 
you pretty much are just yeah. that's it for yeah. life. Yeah, how do that for life? Yeah. Bex with the Bex with the friends, oh, like always. All they, day. They, that was a good investment by Adidas. It, it was. <laughs> it was. Um, okay, favorite workout tune. Uh, I, I'm a mess on on music. <laughs> I just Kira hates me because I just end up putting on Eminem all the time. Uh, like Eminem's greatest hits, like, but it could be one like where he's like. Where like that song I listened to recently, where he's like literally killing Kim in the song. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> stuff like that. I just say anything by Eminem. Anything by Eminem. Yeah. Okay. Um, favorite exercise? It can be anything. It can be an exercise. It can be. It can be anything you want. So. Favorite exercise. As in gym based exercise. It can be anything. Or even a form of yeah, exercise. yeah, a form of exercise. Anything you want. Um, I think walking is underrated, uh, to be honest. I think like good solid going for a walk and relax, <laughs> relaxing in terms of bang for your book. Walking is like, I see people not walking on my road out in the countryside who are like, must be like 150 years old and they're still walking and like moving really well. And they never saw the inside of a gym in their lives, but they're still walking every single day religiously. And it's a massively underrated tool for health and longevity yeah you're not going to be ronaldo by walking every day but if you walk all your joints are moving through every range of motion not that not the largest range of motion but a range of motion like internal external rotation abduction uh adduction flexion extension everything uh every system in my body is working and if you're not doing it in a treadmill on a treadmill in the gym and you're outside peripheral vision um the sight sounds sensory work walking is is the key to so many people's health and they underestimate it well walking is definitely the first one we've had i would say mm-hmm. yeah pull-ups well, pull-ups came up a few times yeah yeah, yeah. but um yeah i kind of i was actually only thinking about that because someone said that to me the other day because i would go you know for an odd walk around the village like and someone said to me because you know i play football and like what are you walking for? <laughs> yeah, like, why would you do that? Well, it's for me mental headspace more than anything, mm-hmm. like, you know, so. Mm-hmm. But all the recovery, like, like if you're playing football, if it, everyone's obsessed with recovery methods now, and like, they're fine, like, you know, do a bit of breathing or uh, do a bit of stretching or a bit of foam rolling or get on a bike for 10 minutes or do go into them, Normatech boots or whatever they're called or the the massage going like great all 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 good options depending on what you like to do if you just go for a walk you'll probably get 10 times the benefits of all of that stuff yeah uh, especially outside and you'll feel relaxed and much better after it so walking is so powerful like and that's pretty much all we did for like thousands and thousands of years was walk and have the odd little run uh and people stayed fairly healthy just doing that so uh, I think it's 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 important, Definitely. especially if you walk well. A lot of people walk like shit. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Okay, last one. Uh, favorite TV show? So you can it can be a TV show, can be a movie, whatever. Favorite TV show? I'm gonna say the one I loved the most most recently was the Formula One Drive to Survive. That nice. uh, I really it, actually, oh, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's, it's like like I wouldn't have watched a Formula One race 
not a hope I would have. I, I remember watching a bit when I was younger, like Michael Schumacher and stuff like that. But now, like, when there's a Grand Prix on, I'm absolutely buzzing. Because I know, like, what's going on in the background. I know the personalities of the lads and the little battles and stuff like that. That is some show. And if yeah. you want to talk about, like, high performance, like, getting the details right, that, like, that is the sport that I would love to spend time, time in. And it's really cool as well, like um, when you actually see, you know, some of the ways they physically prep the drivers, you know, and, and like they're kind of, we'll say like they're down to that. It's so cool. It's so, mm-hmm. so cool. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's unreal. Yeah. It's some it's some cool sport. Uh, so I, I that show is that show like Kira watched it. Kira's sister watched it, who was another 10 years older. Like, and we can all sit down and watch this together and be like absolutely buzzing at a fella driving the car. Stuff, <laughs> some because you just know the stuff going behind on behind the scenes. Some show. Yeah, I, I should have really learned because it, I, it, I was months behind people watching uh, the Michael Jordan one. What was yeah. that called again? Um, I, I I didn't watch it for ages because yeah I didn't watch it for ages because they didn't like basketball and then when I watched it, it was like this is unbelievable uh, yeah so, so good yeah yeah this uh, I would argue last dance is incredible because of like the nostalgia behind it and like all of this stuff but but form drive to survive is I think is better I honestly think it's better. I d- I, d- I think like yeah I think I was shocked at kind of like the the rivalry that's there like mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable like i was kind of like oh this will be timid enough stuff now and then you start getting into it and you're like jesus christ and it's mad it's deadly like yeah and your teammate is like directly the person you are <laughs> most against if he yeah. beats you you're fucked like, <laughs> yeah like you just slap like you just drive your car into him sometimes <laughs> like it's, it's insane but like every single you talk about high performance like i've I've met some cool people in the sporting world from different sports and like we think we're talking about high performance like oh we're measuring your counter movement jump and blah 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 like these like every millimeter of their car is 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 perfect like every single every single mechanic there that's working on the pit stop has everything to a millisecond like and if they don't their the entire race is gone it's not like it's not like I can, like, if I take a wrong step in a football match, like, it's not, it's not a big deal. Like, there's so many other factors, but, like, they have everything measured to a T. And if they don't get something right, like, the whole thing falls to shit and someone gets fired. So it's, it's unbelievable. And you, you see sometimes, like, on the, on the pit stops, if something does go wrong, like, one of the lads on maybe the back left tyre, something happens, and literally it's like his life is over. You yeah. just see them all come round them, come round them, and they put their hands around them, and he's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And all he did was, like, press the pill in the wrong way, like, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, unreal, some show. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Um, all right, so, so look at... Uh, quick fire round done. Maybe just give us a little bit of a background, Dave. Just just uh, on how you got into the the industry, the rehab world, and um, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I prefer the quick fire round. Uh, if we could keep, if we can keep going with that. That's, that's good. Uh, I'll, I'll make I'll make this as quick as I can and brief as I can. Basically, I was kind of a average enough athlete. I played every sport growing up, obsessed with sport and never moved amazingly well and never always felt like I was like a six foot man trapped in a five foot seven man's body where it's just like there's just not enough space to move. Um, so I 
I kind of I, I I was making the best of myself playing a little bit of intercounty football and and kind of getting there improving improving and working hard and stuff and I just kept picking up injuries uh, a lot of knee injuries uh, well more more like tendinopathies Achilles tendinopathies um, a lot of hip issues I was told when I was like 19 or 20 that I was going to need a hip replacement in a few years and stuff like this like uh, and I still haven't got it so I'm still doing okay there but um, just loads of crap like that and I was just incredibly frustrated and disillusioned with physios that I was meeting and surgeons and doctors and no good answers and maybe there was good answers along the way but maybe they also like some of it is obviously my fault and I didn't buy into it or they didn't inspire me or, or, or fill me with confidence that I was doing the right thing so uh, it just led me to kind of trying to figure some of it out for myself and travel around and play with things and go to workshops and like when I was, I think when I was 19 or 20 years old, I flew to, like I was nothing to do with the industry. I was working in a, no, I was still in college actually in a business, doing a business degree. And I flew to Amsterdam and paid like 1200 euro to go to a, a two or three day workshop on movement. Uh, and that's, that was just to figure things out for my own body. So like all of my lens kind of came from that. And I was in a room with other practice, like physios, coaches and stuff like that. And I'm just this GA player who doesn't know what, flexion is or you know so like I was figuring things out by looking at real-time human movement and seeing what people were doing rather than already understanding or thinking I had labels on movements that were good or bad or someone someone was doing something that they read in a textbook I didn't know any of that so just kind of yeah so it was just a long journey of doing stuff like that and um, now I'm kind of at the point where I'm doing a lot of consultations with quite high level athletes and other coaches and, and physios in the industry where they are trying to learn some things and learn a little bit more about movement or the rehab side of things or struggling maybe with an athlete who is getting caught at a certain point in the rehab process and I'm kind of coming in as a consultant and giving some tips there um, and that's yeah that's kind of where I'm at and uh, it's it's been a very cool journey and ups and downs and learning things and hopefully still learning and making a lot of mistakes along the way but um kind of getting to getting getting some cool exposure to just different worlds and yeah, especially like I love sport like I, every all of my clients are not sports people but I I really love the sports world and seeing different athletes and how they respond to things and um I'm able to work with some very very high level athletes earning a lot of money which brings its own pressures but um it's also it's also quite fun and especially when you can sit back and watch said athlete on the television uh even if it's a sport you know nothing about like baseball or basketball or you're like you're just like go on like that's the guy i know like so so that's that's pretty cool but um yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at at the moment and uh just kind of enjoying the ride and seeing what happens really trying to figure it out as i go along do you think that um, benefited you? Do you think that was a, a plus, the fact that it was like you went into those kind of courses with like a blank slate, like you didn't have your own sort of biases from being in college and, you know, maybe being influenced by like professors or whatever? Yeah. Oh, big time, big time. That's why when I'm, when I'm teaching, like 
when I'm helping people or, or doing a little bit of mentoring or stuff like that, now I need someone to feel something and actually do the thing rather than try and understand like this theoretical thing behind it and then try and put that on to like superimpose the movement on top of that. We will, not that we will always start with the movement, but we will try and help them feel something in their own body and, and or start to see things in others rather than saying this is what it should actually look like. So 100%, and that's the biggest blockage. The more people, the more someone has read, especially on the traditional model of movement, which is based on dead guy anatomy and is wrong, um, like pretty much just plain wrong, I'm confident to say that. Um, it's been taught incredibly poorly and it's been taught by people that, like, yes, they can they can read out or, or, or recite off a full book on biomechanics maybe, but if they had someone standing in front of them, they wouldn't have a clue what they're looking at. So I would prefer put that stuff first. Not that you can't have both. You can definitely have both. And there's some sm very smart people, a lot smarter than me that do have both. But um, the more people who have, the more that people have got obsessed with dead guy, dead guy anatomy and reading books, the less I see that they can actually see what's happening in front of their eyes. Yeah, and I think as well, like, you know, just, just funny, you, 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 you just touched on it there as well. Like, I think as well, sometimes, like, I, I've been in a room with, you know, with, with, with other other physios and being part of different different backroom setups and things, and they might have a, a player there in front of them, and they're there, and it's, you know, you know it's, it's, it's an injury, it's after happening, nothing maybe major, but the guy or the girl is lying there, the doc is there as well, maybe, and they're just jargoning out the medical terminologies, mm -hmm. just blasting it. And you're just there and the person on the table is terrified, like mm -hmm. absolutely terrified. And you're like, did nobody look at it? Just put it simply layman's terms, like so that everybody can understand it. But if you can't do that, if you can't put something in layman's terms, and as you said, you know, eventually obviously get somebody to feel something in their body, then how well can you actually, how well do you understand the thing? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's, it's an issue yeah, the language is an issue and look i understand for the diagnosis of injury like that's where that's where the old or school or the traditional stuff comes in is very good like and that's where like physios and and sports docs and stuff are, are amazing on diagnosis and that's definitely not where not where i'm good because that's not my world like i'm not working on like you just tore your hamstring today here's the exact issue you have are like post-op surgery stuff or anything like that i work with movements mostly and yeah we can have an injury there and we can rehab it but for the most part we're working on movement and hopefully just a restricted movement and we're helping to like fix that a little bit if, if that's the right word but language wrecks my head the language that people use because it's i think in the phys in the medical world it's it's even i've seen physios talking to strength and conditioning coaches and they're using this language this fancy language to talk down to the strength and conditioning coach saying i know more than you whereas like really the language that the snc coach is using is more relatable to the client themselves usually and so maybe that's the language we should be speaking a little bit more in so uh, the language, the language wrecks my head. I think there's a big, big issue with that. Um, not that like, not that we can't use fancy language at, at times, but the ability to not have to do that is important too. Yeah, there is a quote, isn't there? I, can't, I don't know who said it. It's something along the lines of, if you can't explain it 
as simple as possible you actually don't understand it well enough mm-hmm. um so i think that kind of applies but yeah it, along the journey and i don't know you don't want to like like sort of pigeonhole yourself but a lot of people would associate you with um like breath work and and the rib cage mm-hmm. when along your journey did that sort of come into was that at the very beginning or was that something that you just discovered along the way um i i fell into a world of kind of chinese martial arts and internal martial arts and Taoist arts um and because I, I actually started to recognize that they were the movers with like the most longevity out of everyone they they moved like they're 100 years old and they're still moving so well and there is no emphasis on building muscle in that world at all actually it's all almost on relaxation and building the tendons they talk about a lot which was really interesting to me and and um longer duration like isometric holes and the connection like they talk about whether it's right or wrong like the meridians and all of this stuff and the connections through the body and the the, they were pretty much talking about fascial slings before thomas Myers or anyone else ever even thought of that like everything that i learned several years ago in that world and i i know like one percent of one percent of of what a like a chinese master would know and they might be putting it in different terms and science might label it as like oh what you're saying is a load of crap but actually like they were just talking about energy being transferred around the body and um and having as little blockages as possible there so that everything could do its job and we're kind of getting to that point where like we just think, yeah, everything, if everything in my body can do its job, every joint can access its movement, every muscle can, can do its job, every tendon can do its job, it's probably a good mover. And that's what they were working on. And a massive part of that was the breath. And a massive part of that was the breath for relaxation, but also like the expansion in certain areas of the rib cage and, and feeling certain things. So they put an emphasis on that. And anything that I've learned since then, that was probably five years ago I, I really delved into that maybe a little bit more and um, anything there that I've learned since that's been become more technical or more scientific around around that I already kind of learned from them already in terms of the practical side of it so that um, really really cool stuff if people could just open their eyes and separate uh, some of the teachings from the like the woo that's that's kind of created around it forget about the woo stuff and just look at how the person moves and say well they might be wrong about why they're why it's working but they've been doing it for 10 5,000 years and like these teachings have been passed down longer than any other teaching and like they move really 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 well so there's there's that's it like so obviously something's working so mm-hmm. So like just to, and that kind of brings me kind of on to something that I want to ask you as well. Like at the moment, you know, you you hear like there's a lot of people are talking about systems. So you, you hear about PRI, FRC, all this different stuff and infrasternal angles and counternutation, pelvic orientation and stuff. But mm-hmm. like just talking to other people, I suppose that maybe are are maybe new to it and maybe trying to grasp it. It can be, I suppose, like it can be all, uh, it's an awful lot, like when you're saying they're understanding about the ribcage. Mm-hmm. What, what, in your, in your, 
when you were kind of grasping it and, and for any therapists out there listening or people who are looking to kind of get a better grasp of it, how would you say is the best way to go about getting clarity on things? Because of because there is a lot of systems and people mm-hmm. saying, you know, get the joint moving well, just the joint. But mm-hmm. then you're like, well, what about everything else around it? Yeah. Well, like if you get the joint moving well, yeah, like things are going to be moving well. So you're probably right to put the focus on the bone and the joint. But like the people who have a system around articulate your joints every day, i.e., FRC, they do thoracic spine cars, but none of their rib cages, like the whole rib cage moves as a chunk. So how many joints are actually in the thorax versus the thoracic spine? So two different things. So how am I going to get the ribs actually moving the individual ribs and the individual joints around there without actually getting lungs to or, or, or the rib cage to compress and decompress? So yes, if you have a focus on joints, they do the same with the foot. Unfortunately, they talk about uh, pails and rails and cars for my ankle and my toes, lift up one toe, keep the other ones down, lift up the other toes. And, and like, how are you going to do a, uh, an ankle or a, how are you going to do a controlled articular rotation for one of the joints in your midfoot? Best, best of luck with that. You're not. So we would need to understand how these things work and understand that I need to have weight and a closed chain environment and load in the midfoot to get the midfoot to move. And same with the, the rib cage. I need to have expansion and stretching, if you want to think about stretching, from the inside out. So expansion and compression. That's, that's all I would say. Get, so think about it like that. Think about getting the joints moving. That's all I really think about. I just see what's not moving and try and get it moving. But you can do all the, th- and personal trainers and stuff understand this. They, they try and do thoracic spines work. And sometimes it works, but ultimately it's not about the spine. It's about getting the rib cage to drive movement into the spine and, and not about trying to move the spine without it while ignoring the rib cage. So if you have a joint focus, that's fine, but understand there's joints in the rib cage too. Yeah. And that, that was a big game changer for me when I started to follow maybe your stuff and uh, Connor Harris was you know I was doing all the thoracic extension stuff in the world but it wasn't doing me any benefit whatsoever but when it started to incorporate a lot of the the breath work and allowing the rib cage to move it made a massive difference for me but you know a lot of the people listening you know maybe you're going to be GA players or soccer players or rugby players or whatever maybe talk about because it's going to sound really weird to them yeah the rib cage moves and you know maybe explain that a little bit further and what that actually means and the advantages of that yeah um good question like it's it's hard with it's it's definitely hard with with like ga players or with any athlete or anyone who's not a therapist obviously and and therapists too and coaches too definitely like because it's a foreign concept it's just about getting getting movement in your body and and basically let's think about a a hurler right so i'm going to hit the ball and what i need to have is separation of the pelvis and the rib cage and i i literally before this before this podcast before this call i actually had a client uh, in the States who hurt his back chopping wood. So he, he, and we, we've, he, he had a very, very, very bad back and we've done a really good job or he's done a really good job of getting like out of pain and all of this stuff. But he said, I had a bit of a flare up chopping wood and I'm like, we haven't actually focused on any rotational 
movements yet at all so like i'm not so surprised and it's not a big deal you'll be fine in a few days and we'll just work on a few things but he has no he has almost no separation of his rib cage and his pelvis moving like countering to each other and that's what we would need to have if you think about someone running down the wing like joe canning or someone his pelvis is staying pointing forward he goes to ping the ball over with his left hand so so body his his arms come across to the left side his rib cage is going to rotate left and he's going he's gonna to hit that ball over the bar. The pelvis won't turn left as well, or else he won't be able to keep running in a straight line. Now, when he rotates to the left, he's probably going to get more... Um, it depends on how he does it, but possibly he's going to get more internal rotation on the right side of the ribcage and external rotation on the left side of the ribcage. Now, it maybe not. depends on how he hits the ball. It could be the exact opposite. But both sides of the ribcage need to be able to do different things. And if we just think about the spine in the middle, then the ribcage won't be able to do different things. So we, and, and this is a, a function of the entire body. Like if I, if I strike my foot on the floor on the right side, then my foot is compressing, my knee is compressing on the right side, my hip is compressing, my right side of my ribcage is going to compress and all the opposite things then on the left, my left side is getting all this expansion and opening and like unweighting on the left side of the body. And this is just alternation that needs to go right and left and right and left. And you can think you can break it down that way or you can just say like if you had if you think about your spine and think about doing a bending down to pick up a pen and only one joint in your spine moved when you wanted to pick up the pen then is that joint going to get is is the rest of the spine that doesn't move going to get injured or is that one joint going to get injured it's probably that one joint because it's doing all of the work so now we think about the rib cage and the spine and all these movements that I need to be able to do and be fluid. Like I want as many joints as I can to actually do the work so that I can spread that load across my body. And ultimately it's, it's not a special area of the body. The rib cage is just another area that we want to be able to move, compress, decompress left side versus right side. We have two sides of it and we just want to get movement all over. That's it. I, that's as complicated as I make it really. Yeah, it sounds kind of a little bit like in the in the the Joe Canning example, a bit like you've more scope, like mm -hmm. you've more. Uh, you do hear this a lot in that sort of realm is you have more options. Yeah, you know, whereas if he's you know completely uh, locked in in that rib cage, then he's not going to be able to twist twist as well, and it's going to be I presume like it's going to be really really important for rotational sports saying well any sport like even. Mm -hmm. Gaelic football, like when you're doing maybe like a cut or mm -hmm. something, you are going to be twisting as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but even if you, if you looked at Usain Bolt, like running straight on, sprinting straight on, like so much rotation is happening to create that straight on movement. That's what people don't won't think about or understand. So it just it just it's just very important, and it gets locked up. You can obviously talk about the like the the more neuro side of it, which is like a lot of my vital organs are in around that area and, and we need to have that area acting like a pump, like so that everything is getting a kind of a massage from the inside out. And uh, so that's, that's obviously very important, but 
even that gets a little bit woo sometimes and hard for people to to visualize so i just say like if you if you just had your if you had your elbow joint and and you could only move it through like half the range of motion versus the full range of motion your elbow is probably going to feel like crap your wrist is going to feel like crap your shoulder is going to feel like crap and you're definitely not going to be able to hit a ball very well so it it, it, the same rules apply all over the body so if you and ga players understand this now there's a there's an awareness around how important hip mobility is well, why not all the other joints in your body too then? Yeah. And like that, that kind of then kind of ties into like, that was something I wanted to kind of touch base on as well was, and I know you've kind of spoken about it before, but do you think then the education around how we go about training in the gym needs to change a little bit then? Yeah. Possibly. Right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a big conversation. It's a big topic because, we need to understand trade-offs basically right so so trade like the the something no one ever talks about is the negative transfer of training and it's so important to understand when i go to the gym if i'm improving certain qualities i am probably getting worse than other qualities so other qualities are getting worse okay that's that's a very simple my body can only adapt in it can adapt and it can move towards something, but that moves, it means I'm moving away from something else. So if you see a powerlifter in the gym, their body has moved towards being as rigid and as, as possible because their task, it's not that they're a bad mover, it's that they're an excellent mover at what they need to be able to do, which is don't have any movement in my spine. Go up and down and, and stay in that little box. But then you see them walking down the street and they do the exact same thing. And again, it's not bad. It's just my body has adapted and organized to that. They are excellent movers for the task that they need to do. So it does, it does depend and it does say, right, in the gym, like, do I need to create more stiffness, more rigidity in my spine? Maybe I do. Maybe I need to get better at that. Or maybe I don't need to get better at that. But maybe I'm so weak that I train like that and I, I'm, I'm willing to accept the trade-off of okay, I'm going to make my legs stronger and and all of this stuff stronger and compress myself more because I understand it's going to take some motion away from my spine and my hips, but it is going to benefit me in my sport. So maybe, but then maybe not. If we had, if we understand the negative transfer of training, then we have a choice to make. Whereas if we if we just presume that I'm going to back squat and bench press and deadlift and, and train exactly like a powerlifter and presume there's no rev- negative repercussions, then like you're very, very wrong. And it's what I see every single day. And then maybe there's times of the year where I emphasize that stuff and then times of the year where I don't. So we, and we're seeing that at the top level of, of GA and all other sports now, especially like if you look at the Dublin footballers, for instance, they move really well and, and they know now the game has changed. They need to cover a lot of ground on the pitch and they need to be like, it's the game is all about pace and it's like not, not sprinting around like a headless chicken all the time. It's about have, being able to have a change of pace, cover ground and like be able to evade and, and all of these things. And like, if you look at the game 15 years ago, when Armagh were, were like brought the game to a different level, it was just like, massive bodybuilding looking lads going around the field but they weren't covering half as much ground as they're covering now so Dublin footballers have realized like we we don't if you even look at like Bernard Brogan 10 years ago versus Bernard Brogan before he retired three or four years ago he was half the size he was yeah so 
like we don't we don't we don't need to be that big we we especially if you can move well like you don't you can be very very strong without being very big and rigid at the same time because we had actually said that james i don't know when it was before but <clears throat> we had actually said that you know if you look at the the dublin footballers now they they look more athletic like they, they're not built really they all look like they've scaled down somewhat and they just look like just machines like really good athletes as you said you look at them all and they all move really well. Like I know mm-hmm. Colin Callahan gets to highlight a lot of the time because he's mm-hmm. deadly, but yeah. like he's a great mover. Like yeah. he's a, he yeah. moves so and well. And he's strong. He's an animal as well. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. yeah and, and sometimes it's unfair to use people like that, like Ronaldo and these people, because they are just gifted. Like they're, they're just, they're gifted, like genetically gifted. Like not that hard work hasn't gone into it, but their structure allows them to be like Con is a, I guarantee he's an animal at squatting as well and stuff, but he hasn't sacrificed too much movement options for that. And that's what some of us who aren't as gifted, we, we go and train in the gym in silly ways that looks like powerlifting training. And we feel the repercussions very, very quickly, but people, but that doesn't happen. Maybe when you initially start strength training, because the, the, the gains you're making are definitely outweighing the, the negative the negative mm-hmm. side of it. So I kind of start to think, well, if some is good, more is better. And now three years later, I've kind of tapped out a lot of my strength gains or, or not strength gains, performance gains, my beginner gains, like easy gains, but I'm still pushing that same way, training that same way. I'm not making as big benefits in performance, but I am continuing to lose range of motion, getting more and more locked up. And it's not just range of motion in terms of like, oh, I can touch my toes, like how long are my hamstrings? It's more relative range of motion between each of the joints. And there is orientation problems, which is probably too complicated to get into, but I end up being pushed into certain places with my body and I can't get out of them places very well. So there is, it's, 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 I have no problem with anyone training in any way, but I think there is education that should be around negative transfer of training and what what it can do to your body and then it's up to that person to make the choice i suppose or just constantly tweak things like understand and have measurements and kpis that they go back to and then yeah okay maybe i've pushed a little bit far in this direction i'm going to go back this way for a little while and then there's just a, a to and fro that that needs to happen then because i definitely think some some ga players just just from what i've seen feel like they you know, because because it's been drilled into them so much, deadlift, squat, bench press, mm-hmm. these are the holy grails of that's gonna somehow determine how well they're gonna perform on the pitch. And it's yeah. unfortunate because a lot of them just keep rapping at the same door and then end up getting injured. Yeah, it's it's actually insane because the like I've fallen into this trap too, but like I'm I'm quite lucky that I get to exposure to tons of sports like like Olympic Olympic athletes in in longer distance running, sprinting, um, basketball players on ten or fifteen million dollars a year, hockey players, um, the, like all different stuff, all different people that 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 might not be like very high level or might be high level, and they don't a lot. They don't make the same mistakes that GA players make. They GA players think I need to train harder because like. Soccer player, soccer player, right? We just so premier soccer players in the Premier League do so little, incredibly little, and they get slack for that. In the GA, we're like, oh, they're getting paid a hundred grand a week, and 
and um and like they're sitting on their hole and they're they're not they're not training that hard it's because they don't need to train that hard they're playing a 90 minute game once or twice a week and they're just topping themselves up in the gym a little bit of good movement tiny little bit of strength work that's it you do you need very very little especially in season and ga players just flog themselves they're not getting half the recovery that other people are getting and it's um but but it's we have to hire strength and conditioning coaches to 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 flog us on the field because we lost the game because we're not fit enough but really it's just like all your basic skills are awful <laughs> yeah I, but that's um what you were saying about the you know the initial gains and all of that like that that's just exactly what happened to me when i started maybe seriously training about 1920 and started doing back squatting and stuff my performance went through the roof that year mm-hmm. but then the more and more i did the less effective and now if i back squat in season my performance goes to shit you know, I get really, really locked up um, and that's just what happens. So it's, it's so true. And I think you, it's very easy to fall into that trap of, as you said, more is better. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. And, you know, I think, I think a good thing that maybe uh, athletes should maybe think about is to be kind of selective with the exercises that you actually do within mm-hmm. season. Like it's not just about, you know, uh, do less, but you do need to sit like, there's certain exercises that I will avoid in season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably where getting to see someone like yourself or Fergal or whatever is a good idea because, you know, you might be able to steer them towards maybe exercises that would maybe suit better than others. Mm-hmm. Just a good co- look, any good coach. And, and it's not, you don't have to be a, fa- uh, they don't have to be a fancy coach that's on, podcast or anything like that like a good old strength and conditioning coach or i love i love track coaches like athletics coaches um because they appreciate that getting stronger is really important they did like if you look at track athletes like they can lift heavy but there's a, a constantly an emphasis on movement quality like there is no shitty reps when it comes to how they train their running mechanics or at least there shouldn't be with a good coach uh, there's very few shitty reps in the gym and there's very few energy wasted in the gym where it's like, I'll just do a few sets of this, I'll do a few sets of that and messing around because they realize that the oh, oh I'm only doing this stuff in the gym to make myself better at, on, uh, on the track. And they have a measurement for that and it's called a stopwatch. So if I'm, if I'm squatting today and it's in, uh, if I'm squatting, if I'm doing a four-week cycle of a back squat and I'm supposed to be peaking next week or whatever, or I want my time to have gone up or be the same, and it's actually down when... It's fine if it's down, I've, if I understand it might be down for a while, but if I don't want it to be down, then they realize very, very quickly what I've done hasn't worked. So I need to change something. But in the GA, obviously in any field sport, it's harder to measure that because, yeah, I might lose the game, but actually, like it's because the ball came off the, like a millimeter to the wrong side of my foot. I, I, you know, like, so there's so many variables, but we should hopefully have KPIs or have an understanding of what makes my body feel good and what makes me move better and all of these things. And um, that's why I think, I think track coaches, we can learn a lot from them because they kind of understand the sport, which is well, they understand the sport, but they often take a lot of the strength and conditioning as well they do both so i think like they've been doing both for 
a long, long, long time. And now that's where the field sport world is starting to, to creep in where there's, there's, there's coaches like Stephen Jones in the cricket world who's doing, who's doing strength and conditioning, but he's also a fast bowling coach. And he like, there's nowhere to hide then because he's involved in taking everything and he's saying, did you throw the ball faster or not? Um, and, and you can't blame one thing on, you can't, you know, like the, the, the sports coach can't blame it on the strength and conditioning coach and the strength and conditioning coach can't blame it on the sports coach. So um, you're right. It's just, it's just about learning what works best for you. And like, you've done that. Like, you know, understand this works well for me in season. This doesn't, but we're just told in the GA typically, like there's a blanket, like just everyone going back squat today and that's it. Uh, but 50%, 30%, 10% might feel good with that and the rest would yeah. feel absolutely like shit, you know? Yeah, because sometimes I often find that if you, if for whatever reason and you have, you have, you have three or four players that might be on a given, maybe that's supposed to be in a pitch session and they're not, and maybe they're, <clears throat> you know, they're, they, they need like a little bit less of a pitch session that night or less or whatever. And you take, you start taking them through just different movements that they just don't normally do. Mm-hmm. They love it. They're mm-hmm. like, this feels so good. They're like, geez, I, I've never felt that working before or that feels so nice getting into that area and stuff. And you, it just kind of, it's great because it does make you think then, well, hang on a second here. Like, right, how much are we, are we, and I'm not like, as much as I'm not like, have some hate thing out about like squatting or anything like that, mm-hmm. but you're kind of like, how much are we gaining from just smashing things like that, mm-hmm. as you said, like, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But all the squat, think of it even about squatting, like, and it's not that you don't know this, but like, right, I can do a high bar back, high bar back squat, a low bar back squat. I can do a front squat. I can do a goblet squat. I can do a heels elevated squat. I can do a zercher squat. I can do a front foot elevated split squat, a normal split squat, a rear foot elevated split squat, a pistol squat, a, um, a staggered stance split squat, um, a lateral squat, uh, a box squat, how high is the box? Do I have a bounce? Do I have a pause at the bottom? Do I have a tempo? Do I have an eccentric? Um, is, it, is it a band-assisted squat? Is it chained squat? There's a million ways to do it. Do I squat and have a reach forward? Do I squat and have a reach left or right? So like we could squat all year round and never do the same squat. Uh, we could do the same squat for three weeks and then change it for another three weeks, change it for another three weeks. But what are like mo- a lot, a lot of a lot of people are doing a back squat and that's it. Like that's what they think a squat is. So so many options here. And um, I, th- I, I think know. sometimes they're afraid to, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Like I think sometimes they're like, you know, they're given the programs and they're like, this is it. This is mm-hmm. it, lads. This is where this is our girls or whatever it is. And they're like, this is where we're going. And they're like, do not deviate. Have you been doing the work? Have you been doing the program? Do yeah. not deviate. And it, it is, it's one of those things when you say, they're like, oh, I just don't feel. And then you, you say, you, you take them through something like that, like a split squad or a heels elevated squad or whatever. And they're like, Jesus, man, the work there. And I, now I'm feeling me groin. And now mm-hmm. I'm feeling like, you know, more glute or more hip or whatever it is. And, you, you know, but it, it just seems almost sometimes like they're, they, they, you know, they're told not to deviate or look, at this is it. It's a, it's a yeah. squat. It's a fucking deadlift. That's it. Yeah, because the only measurement of success is more weight on the bar. And I'm not going to have That's more it. weight on the bar if I like continually tweak my exercise. But like it goes, does come back to the conversation. Are you trying to get better at your sport or, or do you want to be a powerlifter? 
because if you want to be a powerlifter, more weight on the bar is important. If not, not a big deal. And we can have more weight on the bar. I can get someone doing not squat for, I could get someone who's been squatting for five years and have them not squat for six months and do all different exercises. And they'll probably come back and they'll be squatting heavier because they've got their body moving better. So we can have both. I understand like the, the, the want to have more weight on the bar because it is, it feels good. Like, and you understand, yeah, I'm making progress here, but it's not the only factor and it's not the only way to, to, to get a, get a response or an adaptation from an exercise. Do you, do you think like this kind of, I don't know if this kind of feeds into it as well, but you know, like somebody will say like for myself, we'll say that, you know, you're training more endurance. You're looking at kind of longer distance runs and stuff like that. Do you think for people like that, even people who do a lot of biking and stuff like that, would you say then when you're doing your, bit of strength work during the week or whatever do you think that's when you're kind of like right we need to get nice movement variability where we can so we kind of change up the movement give the body something a little bit different do you think that's important for people who are maybe you know i i know it's kind of trail running so you're going straight you're going straight but you're going up and downhill and you're watching where you're going but do you think it's a factor that's important to 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 put into stuff yeah i do i do i do um it's it's like like if someone is doing longer distance running, like I'm probably not going to give them low level um, like low level extensive plyometrics, for instance, because that's what they're getting in every single step that they they take. Like so, they probably don't need much more of that. Um, they might benefit from if someone's on a bike a lot. Uh, they're probably getting a lot of like posterior expansion in the back of the ribcage already, especially like a uh, a cyclist who's not cycling like me like a high nelly where i'm up high but like actually actually down and flexed over the, the bike i hate cycling by the way but um uh it tears the arse off me but um so, so like they might benefit from a back squat because that's going to compress the back of the rib cage a little bit more and put them into a different position so they might benefit from that um they might, they might, yeah, it, ju- it just comes back to the qualities you're trying to develop and what, what's going to help them. And so are you trying to, are you chasing performance gains in your sport or your activity? Or are you chasing like, give me variability that I'm getting something that I don't usually get in my sport. So it's kind of cycling between both of those two things. And um, it's, it's, it's a tricky, it's, it, you only really learn that when you work, start to work with someone and learn more about their body as you go along. But uh, yes, I'm a big fan of variability, but I also don't like the, the world of like variability for the sake of variability. So we're just going to give you like, there's a world of self-organization, which is a, is a tricky world. Is a, it's a dangerous world to navigate. And I see people on Instagram coaches and stuff talking about like, okay, like we understand that our nervous system self-organizes into something. So I'm not going to try and change someone's movement because everyone's nervous system is, is different and it self-organizes. But Yes, like that self-organization is what allows us to continue to move. But what if they move like dog shit and they're self-organizing into something shit? And what if they actually just don't have the tools in the first place? So your hip doesn't actually move this way. And yes, you're going to complete your activity, but you're self-organizing around or away from that problem. It can't actually use that tool in the toolbox. So now I have to I have to self-organize away from that. So variability is is a, is kind of a dangerous place to fall into because you're continuing to just do different things and self-organize 
But what if you don't have these specific tools, which is enough stiffness at your foot or enough internal rotation at your hip or enough expansion in your right chest wall or all of these things. So that's yourself organizing around those things rather than I don't I don't want you to I don't want to have to tell you use that stiffness at your foot when you do this, this exact drill. But I want you to have that tool so that you can then self organize with that tool available. And now your body can choose whether it uses it or not. Makes sense. Yeah, and totally. I'm glad you brought that up about the cyclists and, you know, that they're getting a lot of posterior expansion. In terms of like field sports, it's probably mostly the opposite. Maybe they're not getting enough posterior expansion, I suppose, depending on the person. But um, what would you say to people? Because I know it's, I don't know how this came about that in gyms, whatever exercise we're doing, we decided that we need to do this like upright military posture and that any flexion, you know, I don't know, did this come from like manual handling courses or something, but any flexion whatsoever is bad. Um, even if it's not under load, um, what would you say to people, you know, that, you know, why having the ability to actually flex and why, you know, maybe giving yourself that, that movement is important mm-hmm. um, rather than maybe getting stuck into that position. Yeah, it came from, I, I, I think it came from powerlifting again, uh, where it's like they, and, and not that they don't flex, like a lot of them will flex under, under a heavy deadlift or whatever, but it's, or they'll set up in flexion and they'll stay in flexion. Uh, they, they typically like when you're lifting a very heavy load, not that you can't, like the human body is adaptable, but the intention is probably not to be moving my spine as I try and deadlift the house. Right. So that like, that's where that came from. And that is probably a safer option. Keep your spine still and move from your hips and your legs when you're trying to deadlift and squat. Um, but again, it's, it's about the, like, I, I am going to compress the life out of some parts of my body when I do that. And I will adapt to that stimulus because that's a very strong stimulus. And then it also comes from probably like research into what actually hurts the spine. Um, poor research, I would say from, from years gone by. And they don't realize that one, like we can adapt and get stronger that we don't have to avoid flexion. And two is like, maybe if I'm able to flex my spine, I don't actually just flex through one part of my spine. I actually flex through a lot of my spine and that shares the load throughout. Um, so what would I say to those people? Like if you're, if you're, you just want to not have an avoidance strategy of anything and the, the chest up and the shoulder blades back and doing that for every single exercise in the gym, like as soon as, as soon as you go to take a step outside the gym and, and walk like, one shoulder is going to start to protract and come forward and and one hand is pronating and one hand is supinating and shoulder blades the mo- one of the most important sensory experiences for your entire body is feeling shoulder blades gliding around the rib cage and a rib it can only do that if the rib cage is actually round at the back because uh, this the shoulder blade is round the rib cage should be round and they should meet and and kind of be on top of each other if you straighten your back then shoulder blade doesn't doesn't have that to glide over there's a lot of nerves around like running down along that area that are getting compressed and not not having any space so i would say for any any movement explore a movement without thoughts of like this is right or wrong and expose yourself to movements and 
think about just take a step back and and put the strength and conditioning coaches like our a coach who just doesn't who's dogmatic about something put his thought put what he's saying out of your mind for a minute and just look at any sport in the world that involves any rotation and you're going to see flexion and extension of the spine under very high speed and very high load so uh how can it be bad because I, I was even like it's, it's funny like even like this week you know it, it's kind of how would you say sometimes people don't if they're if they're if they're quite uh, avid gym goers or, or or they're gymming a good bit and and putting it together with their sport or whatever sometimes they don't realize I often notice that they're that that's their default position. That's just the default position. They're walking around in that position. They're gymming in that position. And and if you watch them on maybe if you if you watch them playing or you see them moving or on the pitch or whatever it is, they're kind of still in that position as well. And mm-hmm. when you when you ask them, you know, okay, can can we can we move out of this position and access another position? And a lot of the time they can't. Or they or, or sometimes what I found is they can, but it's very sort of uh, it's very shaky or it's very sort of like a to- it's like the nervous system has no clue what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and time constraints as well. Like when you think about it, like if you're stuck in a position, not stuck. Like no one is ever really stuck in a position, but if you're very much biased towards a certain position, then like when we actually enter the real world where it's not like I'm queuing myself to do everything or I'm on the pitch or something like that, time constraints become, and environmental constraints become the two biggest things. So I have to organize my movement very quickly. And there's also an environment which might mean uh, the pitch, the ball, the opposition player, everything else that's going on around me. And so, yes, I can, I can access a position when I'm on a physio table, like they can, they can possibly put me there. But if I'm starting in a kind of a crappy position, sorry, that's a bad word. There's no crappy position. If I'm just starting a position where I'm very biased, like towards one end of the spectrum, I don't actually have the time to get to the other, other position when I need to. So this is the conversation around posture, which is like no posture is good or bad, but also there is good or bad or, or, or probably more. There's a reason why gymnasts present in an extended posture because they need to be extended a lot of the time because they're, that's what they're doing in their sport. Like their chest is up, it's far as show, it's all of this stuff. There's a reason why cyclists will tend to present a little bit more flexed in the posture because that's what's helping them. So posture is relevant even though the pain sign we're not talking about this from a pain side of things but from a movement side of things so the posture i start in is actually relevant and again if you look at the track and field world they will talk about sprint postures all of the time but if i'm in like if i'm so extended that i i I actually yes i can flex my spine but when i actually go and move i can't flex my spine because i don't have the time to get get into that flexion which also means i don't really i can't really extend my spine because it's already extended so having this kind of so training in ways that gives my body an experience of all right here's one end of the spectrum here's the other end and then it can it's usually going to set up somewhere in a more neutral position just neutral because now it understands i need to be able to go to all these different directions when I actually move. And basically, if you look at a lot of the best movers, their spine just looks really, really good. It looks like 
it's relatively neutral. And this is coming from someone whose spine doesn't look like that. Like my spine doesn't look like that, but it's relatively neutral, not because neutral is a great place to stay in, but it means that I can go everywhere. And the more maybe we try and train in the gym with some of those postures that we talked about and just always sticking the chest up in the air, I'm moving myself away from that. I'm, I'm limiting and definitely limiting my options. Yeah. And you probably know Fergal. I, I, um, I don't have a big arse, but it kind of nearly looks like I do because I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing that kind of twerking look. But, um, but, and is that where maybe, like, I know what I like about, what I like about some of your work is the fact that, you know, people are going to think, like athletes maybe that are listening to this, oh, breath work, you know, yeah. uh, like to, this is, you know, boring or yeah. as you say, woo-woo, whatever. But like what I like about your exercises and, you know, Connor Harris and Angus Bradley and those guys is that you, you're getting a training effect at the same time. These are not easy exercises. And I would definitely recommend that, you, that anyone listening goes on to David's Instagram and checks out some of the exercise and gets his lower body basics program or core basics, pro, basics program. Like these are tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why it's hard on a podcast to talk about it because like it's it sounds like I'm just sitting on a rock in a in a like by the ocean and meditating like but then when they do it they realize they just can't do it or, or get movement in that way and then like it's like oh right this this is what this is like so but it it, it has helped like the reason I post stuff on Instagram of I have to be I always try to be careful because like I'm like I'm posting like. A, a big enough name athlete some of the time and it's like it does come across like a bit boasty like look who I'm working with but also if I posted a very good popular GA player and they someone sees them doing some of this work like that kind of gives them permission to try it as well you know that's how anyone does stuff like we see people that we we like and we kind of copy some of the stuff that they're doing so that kind of gives them permission as well and they see some so when they start to see these like very good athletes working in this way like it's like oh maybe i should try that too now that's not to say we should copy good athletes training programs because that's probably a bad idea because they do a lot of stupid stuff as well but at least at least people should yeah not think about it as meditation or anything like that we're just we're just working hard and, and we're getting some things to happen sometimes we want to relax with it sometimes we don't and we also just train people really hard and like we still squat we still do all of these things we're just probably cueing things in a different way setting things up in a different way and putting an emphasis on different things but the the training is still there you won't get anywhere without actually putting in the work and it's definitely not someone commented on my page yeah the other day was like oh he didn't even follow me i think someone else must have put it up to him where it was like oh you you stole lower body basics from someone else or some other Facebook page and you you think you can fix people's knee pain by getting them to lie down and close their eyes what the fuck is this about like so i just blocked him but i was like like?" i when you were saying that i was just thinking about you know like lads that i know that play football you know you'd say to them like oh geez i'm not i'm not doing that you know like it's breath work Mm -hmm. and then then i was looking on your instagram it's like if it's good enough for matty donnelly it's surely good enough for you that (laughs) plays intermediate football and leitrim 
yeah that's why like the, it is cool for some of the people to see like and there's there's some very big names that i can't sometimes post on instagram because there's um there's contractual obligations and i've signed this um what's the word uh i can't think of a word i've signed things where i said like i can't say i'm working with them because that means they might possibly be injured or there might be a niggle there and that could be millions of dollars then it, uh, so we can't we can't do that so that i would be a lot more famous i would be sorry not i'm not that famous at all i would have a lot more followers and probably make a lot more money if I, if that wasn't the case but um yeah there's a lot of people around the world um there is there is some big international rugby teams and and soccer teams using a lot of this stuff using they use my complete program in, in camps getting ready for some some big games that people will have watched on, on television. So uh, it will it will get there. It will start to sprinkle in more. It is getting there, but um, people just need permission first. I thought you were just going to cough and then go, <coughs> Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo. <laughs> I wish it was. If I could get one clip, Ronaldo. <laughs> I'd be made. Although someone else would just claim yeah. it as theirs. Well, look at I, I only look at we've 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 covered an awful lot. The the only thing I kind of just wanted to 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 ask you, and it's kind of really we probably just hit it there. But what do you think is the most underused or underutilized approach when it comes to the rehab world or or, or athletes? Um, underutilized approach. Uh, oh, I could go about this in a few different ways. So like underutilized approach in general is, is like good communication. That's definitely number one, like actually helping them understand, like getting buy into a, to a, a plan. Like I was talking about earlier, like, excuse me, no one did that with me when I was injured. Um, so that's that no plan in the world will work. Like, unless you actually understand why you're doing it so that's like that's such a massive issue especially in the ga i think it's a massive massive people are just given a couple of exercises and said right you'll be grand in a few weeks like and they wonder why they keep getting re-injured because they actually never did any of the exercises in the first place um so that's 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 very very important um most underutilized thing i could say a lot of things but the most underutilized is an understanding of good good gate mechanics, good running form. Like if we're talking about athletes getting back on the field, I don't care about Brett work. I don't care like about any of that stuff. I want, there's a lot of coaches getting very good results without using anything like that. That's just a stepping stone to getting some things moving that need that, that aren't moving. That's all it is. Just tick that box off. We go. I don't care if you never do it, do any of that ever again. Um, focusing on good movement and good running mechanics, like, that's that's massive if i could teach everyone that even if you're a granny who doesn't doesn't want to run but if i can think about like what way i would like to get her to move imagining she was going to get back towards running even if she doesn't like you'll start to see this rhythm and this coordination develop in people's bodies again you'll start to see a little bit of this springiness develop in the lower limb you'll start to see spine start to move arms starting to swing eyes starting to notice the peripheral vision or the world around them. Uh, you start to see that they develop a trust in their body again. And like, we're, we're always focused on injuries and, and, and 
loading the hamstring, like getting the hamstring stronger, and then they go back and run, and you just see the same awful running mechanics again and again and again, and and we realize it's not a strength thing here. They just cannot actually coordinate their movement in a way that offloads that hamstring or whatever it is. So um, if we can understand gait and and get the bones moving well, like we all, who knows what, I don't know what bad running is, but I do think we can all turn on the telly and look at a runner, no matter, you don't have to be a practitioner and say, they look, or, or you're sitting outside a coffee shop and you say, they're moving well. Like that runner there, look at how efficient they look. I don't know why they're efficient, but they just look really good. And like, if we could nudge everyone a little bit towards that, if I can run really well and look really efficient, I probably walk really well. I probably sit on the chair really well, as in I can just relax. I can probably pick a pen up off the floor. If I don't, if I don't, and you could, you could go vice versa there. If I pick off a pen off the floor, well, I'll walk well, blah, blah, blah. But understanding gait and working on good movement rather than just focusing on strengthening the muscle that uh that's that's my like well sometimes i think it's my mission in the world to help people understand that or then i actually was thinking about this today i'm like sometimes i think i'm going to try and like change people's thoughts on like movement and in the rehab industry and like i have a higher purpose and then other times like i don't give a shit i just <laughs> i just help a few people and and uh be able to buy a nice car someday <laughs> so i don't know which i'm falling between, but that's that's what i try and work on with my clients it doesn't mean i'm right though I think as well, though, that kind of sings through in, in the lower body basics, one and two. Um, and that's just now off the top of my head in core basics. But like, because even though you're looking at, yes, getting stronger in certain areas, there is a, there's a team running through the whole thing where we are looking at Im- improving how we move because people are like, Jesus Christ, I feel like my groin is going to explode here, but also we're getting them to feel, you know, how they shift through their pelvis. And, mm-hmm. you know, even I always think one of the simplest ones is the wall stride. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it looks absolutely, you look at it, you're like, that's a piece of piss. And mm-hmm. then you go and do it and you're like, well, this is very difficult. But again, yeah, you're strengthening areas, but also you're, as you said, you're nudging towards being efficient. You're, mm-hmm. you're running mechanics. You're looking at improving those. Yeah. Everything there was like designed about, uh, if I imagined that if someone came in with me in day one and they ran like shit and they maybe had a lower body injury, it was like, right, sessions one, two, and three, I'd probably want to work on, get all of these things ticked off. And then lower body basics too. I was like, right, sessions three, four, five, six, whatever. There's a lot of things in here I'd probably want to get ticked off regardless of the injury. And then if there ever was a lower body basics three or four, which I don't know, I have the heart to do, <laughs> but uh, they would be just next, like next stops. Like here's how we work on our running mechanics. Here's how we, we're still going to strengthen things. We're going to work on like other gym type of stuff, but um, we're, we're working now on running mechanics and reactivity and all of that stuff. So that's all. I just broke it down like that. Um, so yeah, exactly, exactly that, exactly that. And like, it's not that the, that program's amazing or people have to do that program or like there's a million other programs that will help them get to their goal. It's just, that's how I like to organize things. Um, I'd probably change it if I wrote again now, but like the principles would still be the same. Yeah, James, have you any, any no, questions? No, I think uh, that was great. I, I definitely would say to people to get the lower body basics program because um Although you say there's a lot of programs around um, 
I don't know if any of them have really gained the attention that yours has, and that's probably a good sign. Um, you know, a lot of people have gotten some great results off it. Um, so I definitely recommend, I, I got it and it helped me a lot. So um, I definitely recommend people pick it up. Same, like, uh, like I definitely think as well for athletes and, and definitely for myself as well, it just, even if you're just like, looking for a bit more clarity or a bit more understanding of things. I think it's just, it just changes your, as I said, you, you hit it at the start, you know, we're taught an awful lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as you said, the, the dead man anatomy of things, but you know, when you look at that and you're like, wait, what, why is this working? And then you start to understand, Oh shit. My pelvis is supposed to move this way. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, designed, yeah. it's just, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'd highly recommend people yeah. definitely purchase yeah like e- even yesterday just like or two days ago i think i had a, a fairly a fairly popular ga player i haven't worked with he just sent me a message uh and he said like i keep tearing or hurting my hamstring again and again and again and like it's getting to the point where i just can't play sport at all or run anymore and um i've been to popular popular physios and and uh clinics and stuff in ireland and like my deadlift scores are there like my squats are there all of this stuff like what the hell am i going to do and i just asked like just simple quite like have you done lower body basics because he could have i didn't i might not have known and he said and he said no uh do you think i should um like or, or should i do a consultation with you or like what like my my how can i how are you going to do something different with my hamstring i was like just do it. I guarantee you won't get like you won't be able to do three seconds in some of them hamstring stuff. So like it, it does not matter how heavy you can deadlift if you're using your back extensors to deadlift. Like you're just not. I guarantee you, you're not using your hamstrings. And then I guarantee, not, not that you're not. I guarantee you, you're not using them the way we want them to maybe happen when we're running or kind of like that. It can't be too specific. And then I guarantee you, if we looked at this person, because I know I've seen him on television. He, run, he doesn't run very well. He run, he's able to run and he's, he's fast, but like he's in a position where hamstrings are, are not going to work too well. They're going to be under pressure all the time. So like deadlifting is not going to solve that. Like it might for some people, but like, is it really the answer? Like, yeah, I, I and not that I would take the deadlifting away from him. I'd improve that as well. But I'd be saying like, if you can't have your hamstrings to hold an isometric here for 10 seconds and you can't improve like your 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 running posture that not me saying this is amazing posture if you went to a good any good sprints coach they'd say you run like shit like where are you tearing your hamstring in the deadlift or in a run you know so what do we want to improve so just it's just it's just something for people to think about like how we actually move and where our injuries are occurring or where where we're not as efficient as we want to be and is that in the gym and can that be solved in the gym? And are the forces anything like, and the movements anything like what's happening in the gym? We can certainly, like, we can certainly help that. We can get very strong, but it's not the only thing. That's all I would say. That's what I would maybe leave people with. It's definitely not the only thing. Brilliant. Well, David, listen, we've we've covered so much. There's so much quality in that, man. And we, again, I, I really, really appreciate you coming on and, and thanks for talking to us today. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I hope, hope it turns out okay. <laughs> tell tell but, them uh, where to find you, actually. Uh, they can just go on to uh, Instagram. It's probably the best place. David Gray, G-R-E-Y, Rehab. And um, they can they can decide then within 10 seconds if they hate me or not. And they can just unfollow, <laughs> unfollow me or block me forever. <laughs> and they'll never see me again.
All, All right. right. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, guys.